Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yeah, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Hello, FM translator, in case you were wondering. Hello and good morning and welcome to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show Hump Day. Hump Day headlines. Hump Day. It is... Uh, it is just another beautiful day in paradise, uh, and the hits just keep on coming. Boy, the the headlines today um, and from late yesterday, not the rosiest outlook uh, here for the state of Alaska. And we're going to talk about that and discuss that this morning in hour one. Uh, we're going to go through... Uh, the latest and greatest in what is happening uh, here in the state of Alaska, what can be expected. Uh, the bottom line is that uh, we don't have nearly as much money as we thought we had, which I know, shocking, I know, shocking, shocking. Uh, so we're going to, uh, we're going to talk about that and the raw numbers and what does it mean and well, uh, you know, we're going to we're just going to we're just going to talk about it and um, go through some scenarios and talk about where things go from here. So that's uh, going to be the discussion for our one this morning. We're going to be diving into that. And then in uh, our two, normally we would be joined by State Senator Mike Schauer, but he is traveling this morning. So we have instead picked up uh, an alternate guest. And today we'll be talking with State Senator Shelley Hughes uh, about the uh, shortfall, the revenue forecast, what's going on in the uh, legislature, particularly the uh, the Senate. And then uh, we will also talk about the potential for all these legislators raises, which seems as a inappropriately timed gesture at this point. Now that we just discovered that, uh, of course, we're going to be significantly short, uh, the fact that legislators uh, are le- le- legislators are looking to increase their salaries by a significant amount, um, uh, 67%, in case you were wondering about the math, a 67% raise. Talk about tone deafness. Talk about tone deaf. Uh, anyway, 67% raise for the legislature um, and a 20% raise for the governor and his cabinet. That's what uh, that's what's being called for right now. So that, <clears throat> I'm just saying that seems a little premature, don't you? Don't you think? 
anyway, we're going to discuss uh, all of this stuff today on the big radio program. I want to say thank you uh, for coming in and joining us. Um, I was trying to decide if we should, uh, what the heck, let's live dangerously. I was uh, trying to decide whether or not I wanted to uh, uh, bring the phone lines uh, up this morning and uh, take some calls this morning. And you know what? I Why not? <clears throat> let's, uh, we'll, again, we'll just live on the edge here. And maybe you call in and maybe, maybe you don't, uh, we'll see what, uh, we'll see what you guys have to say, uh, on this, but, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and just open the phone lines up and take some calls from you. If you decide to call in, if you don't, that's all cool. That's a, it's all cool. Let's say we'll do, we'll just, you know, whatever. Uh, we'll take some calls and we'll see what you guys' thoughts are on all the things that we've got going on. So the phone number to call is 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. If you would uh, like to be part of it, we'd love to hear what uh, you guys have to say. And uh, we'd, we'd just, you know, we'd, we'd love to, we'd love for you to come on in. Let's just, uh, let's just talk about uh, what it is that uh, you guys want to chat about uh we'd love to see what uh what you guys have to say and uh if not we'll continue on in our local discussions the phones by the way are now up and ready we actually already have one line on hold that's weird um all right <clears throat> so we're going to talk about that here in a minute but first first let's uh let's discuss uh, the sponsor of the program today, Satellite West, satellitewest.com, uh, from, uh, um, <clears throat> let's see, from Manchumana to Metlakatla, from the, uh, Kenai to Ketchikan, from Cordova to China, from Adak to Aniak, wherever you are in the state of Alaska, Satellite West can take care of you. And make sure that you stay connected, whether it's with, uh, whether it's with, uh, uh, you know, text messages or phone calls or emails, or maybe you just want to surf the internet. Satellite West has got you covered from top to bottom, stem to stern. Uh, they have got all, they've got the tools and they've got the technology to make it all happen. Go check them out at SatelliteWest.com and, um say thank you for sponsoring the program how about that all right uh let's well i mean the, i said i'd open the phones and people are already calling so i haven't even gotten into the stories yet but why not let's just go over there and take some phone calls because that's how it works good morning who's this where are you calling from yeah this is mike i'm calling from wasilla hello mike in wasilla what's uh what's on your mind my friend well, you mind if we get off topic for a little bit here? Well, we haven't really started a topic, so feel free. Okay, well, I'll make a long story short. We got a guy that on the 29th of March, 9 o'clock, uh, in courtroom 4, they're going to finally sentence him. He uh, He's a three-time loser, multiple felonies. He's conned people out of millions of dollars, hundreds of victims. 
and our good ADA, uh, Krista Noel Anderson, decided that uh, she was going to release him on, uh, on probation, and he only has to pay back 20% of the money that he's stolen from people, and uh, $70,000 out of, uh, in just this case, uh, $640,000 that he's basically stolen and lied from a number of people and businesses. Uh, I've been looking at the uh, Facebook uh, crime thing, and this is getting to be chronic, and <clears throat> the people are, are trying to contact the troopers, and they're saying the same thing that they told me five years ago when uh, he cheated me out of money. Uh, it's a civil issue, and uh, you got to take it to civil court. And uh, to make a long story short, uh, this should actually have fallen into the federal purview with the FBI because he's selling things out of state. Uh, or claiming to, but uh, that's what she decided to do for a three-time loser. Like I said, he's got, uh, I don't know how many felonies, probably 20 uh, between the three cases. Uh, we're just going to cut him loose and, uh, you know, pay back a fraction. Oh, by the way, on the second time, uh, second conviction, that was 300 and something thousand. Near as I can tell, the state of Alaska didn't even bother going after him for restitution. They just turned it over to a collection agency. So, uh, first of all, people might be aware, want to be aware of Charles Robbie Yinkst. Uh, he also goes by Charlie Yinkst. Um, this guy's out there. He's been out there for six months. They released him six months ago, and uh, after being in jail four and a half years, uh, he had $5,000 cash check to give to the ADA in one week. Um, there's some other. There's a lot more that goes into this story, but. I just thought I'd let people know that uh, if they want to get law and order back into the valley, they uh, might want to be at the courtroom on uh, the 29th of March. Ten, I believe it's 10 o'clock. And uh, if nothing else, make a uh, statement of presence that uh, they're not in favor of this plea agreement and uh, also not to do any kind of business with this guy. I mean, he will steal anything and everything from well. heavy equipment to... Uh, a toy stove. Uh, Mike, I, I mean, this is. Care what the yeah, just real quick. I mean, this is an entry. So he's only having to pay back 20%. This is his third time around, at least, you're saying. And he may not have paid back from anything. I mean, so, is this guy like socking away a nest egg somewhere in some Bahamian island and, and he's just waiting to get out of jail and then he gets to go retire? Is that is that what's happening here? interesting thing when when he uh, cheated me out of money I went to talk to an attorney about it and he said you can sue him but he doesn't own anything he doesn't own a car truck house four-wheeler nothing he has no bad habits he doesn't drink smoke do drugs have girlfriends you name it he has no bad habits except for drinking what one person called foo-foo coffee um, he was married has two wives or has a wife two kids <laughs> she divorced him but interestingly enough she's taken safaris in Africa She's going on vacation stateside every three months or so. She's been to South Africa or South America twice in the last five years, um, and, and a variety of other things. Um, new uh, trike, Harley-Davidson motorcycles, as I understand. Um, she's, from what I understand now, I could be wrong, uh, invested in some RVs, and she rents RVs out. Uh, I mean, and, and then she divorced him when he went to jail this last time. So exactly where the money's at, nobody really knows. Um, 
Well, I guess I'd be asking questions of did her South American holidays include non-extradition countries? I guess that'd be my first question. Uh, so, uh, all right. So this uh, this court case, I mean, I, I don't mean to laugh, but it's just like at this point you have to laugh or you cry, you know, the judicial system and not necessarily providing justice for those people who have been uh, uh, who have been victimized by people like this. So March 29th, uh, 10 a.m. at the Palmer Courthouse. Yep, courtroom four. Well, I, I, I give you a, a quick idea of what kind of what happens to some of these victims. I, w- I was talking to one young man, 17 years old, first job, went and bought a car. Car broke down, <clears throat> took the car to Yanks to have it fixed. He stole the car. He goes. To the, the kid goes to the state troopers. State troopers won't uh, file a stolen uh, vehicle report on it. So then he has to make payments on the car and keep it insured and buy a new car. So he got victimized the, se- uh, uh, wow. the second time by the state troopers, third time by the bank, fourth time by the uh, uh, insurance company, and then the the state of Alaska takes a fifth shot at this kid. Wow. Well, uh, this and is. It's all based. On- it's all based, it's all on, based what? on this ADA, Kristen Noel Anderson. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for calling in, Mike, and giving us a heads up. Appreciate you being part of it uh, today. Let's continue ahead over here. We'll go over to our next caller uh, before we go to break, and we'll see what they have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Morning. This is Charles. Uh, Mary Peltola gave a speech to the Alaska legislature, and in that speech, she made the statement that she's making Alaska more affordable to live in. If you could play that sentence, I'm sure it's some version of that (laughs) wording, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Which criminal are we talking about now? Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. I appreciate you. uh, Appreciate you calling in. All right, we're up against the break. We gotta, uh, we gotta take it, and we'll be back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. We'll be back with more in just a moment. We'll hit these headlines, and uh, I'll leave the phone lines open. Interesting calls already this morning. Uh, we'll return in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. the show you can listen to it on your time with dukes on demand oh and it's free like america used to be streaming live every weekday morning on facebook live and michaeldukeshow.com okay well that was that was uh that's disappointing, huh? Disappointing. All these different uh, plea agreements when they reach into that, uh, they reach into that uh, area of no compensation. I mean, when a criminal when a criminal looks at something like that and goes, "Well, that's just a tax. I got to pay back twenty percent of all the money that I stole and everything else." And uh, where'd the where'd the rest of the money go? That's what I want to know. Where did the rest of the money go? 
And like I said, was it a non-extradition country? Was it a non-extradition country? Um, uh, all right. Let me go back up here to see what you guys are talking about this morning. Is it live or is it Memorex? Man, how many of you remember those commercials? The guy sitting in the chair with everything being blown up around him, uh, blown away because of the sound from the speaker. Remember that? Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, Dad. Um, between the Anchorage Assembly and those wackos in Juneau, this state is messed up and it's not going to get better for a long time. Yeah, I hear that. Um, snowing like crazy on the peninsula. These spring storms are awesome. Well, yeah, they also bring with them a huge avalanche warning. <laughs> avalanche warning for the turn again and the whole thing and Seward and everything else. It's a hot, hot mess down there. Hot, hot mess down there. Made a crummy pot of coffee this morning, says Terry. That's criminal right there. That's just not as criminal. Bill says that whole thing with that Charles guy is not right. And then he said, mm, take him to the train station. Some of you will know. Be, uh, well, some, some people will know. Whoa, Jason said that he also got scammed. Ball ba a while back when he was living in Fairbanks. Not a lot, but it still hurt. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just want to know what the heck is going on there. I mean, how do they, how, how do, how do you, oof, man, I'm surprised he already hasn't had a trip to the train station. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna scrooge with the wrong guy, and then it's gonna be a whole thing. Um, uh, let's see. Um, all these people do are doing is speeding up the mass exodus from Alaska. I would not disagree with that. I mean, it's things like that that make people not want to, uh, not want to be around anymore. That's for sure. Um, uh, so I guess I go put water in first, not thinking to check how much grounds I had left. Uh, all right, there you go. Heck no. Wait a second, Terry. Terry said she made a, a lousy pot of coffee. And then she said, just not awake, dump too many grounds in and now my spoon stands up in it. That's cowboy coffee. There's nothing wrong with cowboy coffee. You know, cowboy coffee is when it's strong enough that you could float a horseshoe in it. You know what I mean? That's the that's the good kind of coffee. That's the camp coffee. That's the That's the good stuff. When it's strong enough to float a horseshoe, just about right. That is just about right. Okay. Um, let's see. I guess that's it. Dogs don't want to get up. Hell, I didn't want to get up. I could not sleep last night to save my life. I don't know what time I finally fell asleep, but... It was, uh, it was late. I, I don't know when, sorry about that. I don't know when I did it, but <clears throat> finally fell asleep and here we are today. 
that's good coffee. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's throw more money at the problem so that the people don't leave, says Cindy. That's your sarcasm voice. All right, uh, we got to go. Let's jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Okay, uh, let's uh, let's pick things up. I, ironically enough, somebody in the chat room said I was scammed by him as well. He scammed me a while back when he was in living in Fairbanks. Didn't scam a lot, but it still hurt. So apparently, this guy's a known this guy's a known uh, bad actor, and obviously, he's not learning his lesson. Just going from one thing to the next. Cumulatively, maybe it's just his profession, you know? I mean, if all you ever have to pay back is 20% and you get three hots in a cot every time you go to prison, you got a place to live. In the meanwhile, you're stashing all the dough. You only have to pay back 20% if you have to pay back anything. And, you know, he'll retire early. I guess it's good work if you can get it. Just not a... Not a... Not a great look for the state of Alaska. All right. Um, well, let's uh, let's proceed ahead. Um, <clears throat> let's proceed ahead here and uh, ju- jump forward. No, yeah, w- Brian just said, which politician are we talking about? Well, we're not talking about a politician, or are we? I just don't know. Okay, uh, so the bad news. Um, I guess we should dive right into this. The bad news is, uh, roll shaggy. Um, it's um, it's not a good look. The spring revenue forecast uh, came out yesterday, and it brought some uh, some tough news, some rough, tough news. Um, the hole that uh, we have in this year's fiscal budget is um, a little deeper than we thought. The governor put together a budget that showed about a $400 million shortfall. That's uh, $400 million, just under half a billion dollars. And the new budget forecast says, no, it's a little bit closer to a billion dollars. A billion dollars. <laughs> According to the... Uh, According to the forecast, uh, with all this lower outlook now for oil pricing and for production, the unrestricted general fund revenue forecast for next year uh, is now uh, $679 million for next year. But that's not the end of the story. Uh, It also dropped the revenue forecast for this year. Now, remember, they spent 
everything that they possibly could last year because, woohoo, look at us. We've got money everywhere. In fact, Natasha, you remember Natasha? You remember her? Uh, uh, I mean, you, what, you've, you've already forgotten? You know, Natasha. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. I just don't fathom it. Yeah, that, that lady. Um, she was quoted as saying on the floor last year, we've got so much money we don't know what to do with. We got so much money, we don't know what to do with it. Well, so they spent it all. And now the unrestricted general fund revenue forecast for this year has decreased by a quarter of a billion dollars. $246 million short for this year alone, which has to be made up in a, uh, yeah, it has to be made up it, because they're spending it. So don't worry about it. It'll be fine. <laughs> this, I, this is just absolutely insane. Uh, the governor, uh, by the way, the ADN story, I love how the ADN story just starts out with the fact that this revenue hit is apparently based on the inference from the article by Sean McGuire in the ADN is inferring that this all has to do with the fact that the governor is just too greedy and wants the $3,700 PFD. Because that's what they start the whole discussion with. Falling oil prices are projected to leave Alaska state budget with a $925 million revenue hit, pushing lawmakers to reduce the size of this year's proposed permanent fund dividend. It's that immediate causality between... Well, this is all about the dividend. This has nothing to do with anything else. It's all about the dividend because you greedy Alaskans want that money, that sweet, sweet government lucre. While the governor favors a $3,700 dividend, the House majority has signaled its support for a $2,700 dividend, and the Senate majority has started discussing a more modest $1,300 dividend. A more modest $1,300 dividend. I, I mean, a... <clears throat> Uh, even though the governor has not amended his request for a full statutory dividend, he has acknowledged that the outcome is unlikely. The Department of Revenue released its projections yesterday, estimating that the price of oil would average $85 a barrel over the current fiscal year, which ends June 30, and $73 per barrel for the remainder of the 23-24 to 24 fiscal year. The department's latest projections estimate lawmakers will see a $925 million revenue hit over both fiscal years compared to projections made in December. So almost a billion dollars less than what they were expecting to see in December. <laughs> and what are they doing? They're giving themselves raises, baby. They've given themselves a 67% raise. Now, not everybody is happy with that raise. We'll talk about that in a minute. But 67% raise. You will, you, you will remember that uh, Gary Stevens um, was quoted as basically saying, oh, we didn't get ours. We we didn't uh, we didn't get ours, and so we're not voting until we get our pay raises. That's essentially what he said in the original story. He was quoted in the ADN. I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty much, you know, 
until they look at legislative pay, ain't nobody getting a raise. And then everybody got fired on the salary commission. And they were high, a whole new batch was hired the next day. Well, two people resigned. The governor fired everybody else on a Tuesday. On Wednesday, the new people were appointed. They started their first meeting in 15 minutes. They had a proposal and it was out the door. By the way, without any public notice or anything else, then they offered a 67% pay raise to the legislature. Um, by, you know, what? Okay. I mean, again, talking about tone deafness. There's nothing more tone deaf than saying everybody's in a fiscal crisis except for us. Sixty-seven percent raise. I think that's a good. I think that's a good round number. Sixty-seven percent raise. Um. I, I I just don't know what to say. So what are they going to do? What what are they going to do? They got two point three billion dollars in the constitutional budget reserve. They could draw more from the ERA. There's still a few hundred million, if I recall, I think six or seven hundred million in the SBR. So are they going to just kick this can down the road one more time? Are they just going to ignore the issue of there's just not enough revenue coming in? I mean, this is a projection forward to this revenue forecast, and we've run continuous deficits for years When was the last time we actually ran a surplus in the state? When was the last time we actually had money to put away into savings that was not a federal, not some kind of match or federal one-time money or anything else, but an actual, we ran an actual balanced budget and had a surplus? When was the last time that happened? 2008, I think, or 2007, 2008. Right about that time that Sarah Palin offered any everybody the energy rebate because they had so much money coming in because of the high price of oil because oil had gone up to whatever it was, $150 a barrel or whatever, and they had a surplus. But it was only they only had a surplus not because they were so great at math and so great at budgeting. They had a surplus because they was it was coming in faster than they could spend it. It had jumped from, you know, $85 a barrel to $150 a barrel, and they had more money than they knew what to do with. Oh, don't worry. They figured out what to do with it because then they continued over the next 10 years to spend it all and spend another $16 billion out of the Constitutional Budget Reserve where they had smartly stocked away a bunch of money Uh, for a rainy day. Unfortunately, it wasn't really a rainy day. It was like they were peeing on our backs and telling us it was raining. And so there you go. I know that's a vivid picture that you probably didn't need, but I'm so pissed off about this because this has been going on for years. I mean, how, how many times do I have to say the same thing? We have been spending more money in this state than we take in forever. We'll have one good year, we'll sock a bunch of money away, and then we'll proceed to spend it in the outgoing years. There is no attempt to balance the budget. There is no attempt to find that revenues and every. They're just, no. You know what's going to happen with this $976 uh, yeah, right? 900, is that what I just said? $925 million. You know what's going to happen 
with this nearly billion-dollar deficit, you know what's going to happen? They're just going to take it out of the permanent fund. They're not going to acknowledge any of this. They're not going to. They're not going to attempt to make the hard choices to take a look at this and say, maybe we need to either bring the size and scope of government down, or we need to offer some kind of general tax or something in revenue, uh, because we just we we don't have any more money. I again, I'm for the cut side, not for the tax side. But one or the other is eventually going to have to happen. Nobody wants to talk about taxes because then the, you would activate the people. The people would get involved and go, "What? What? What is? What? What's going on here? Wait a second. You? I mean, you've taken my. What do you mean? Now you have to tax me. By the way, you're already being taxed with the taking of the permanent fund and everything else. I mean, it's you know. But this is this is the answer. Again. Not surprising that it was bad news. I guess it was the level of bad news that was a little bit surprising. $925 million short from the projections that were made just, uh, let's see, one, two, three short months ago. I mean, the, the, the projections made in December were a little bit rosier. But here we are. So what's going to happen? Nothing. More of the same. They're going to take the money out of the dividend, and then they'll tell us how good they are at making sure that our money is so well spent and everything else. And, you know, this will keep going. And because, you know, we'll be, our people will be down there fighting the power. They'll, you know, they'll be, ineffective because the powers that be have kind of gotten themselves themselves inculcated into the the leadership format and everything else and they'll just bleed that PFD down and then one day they'll turn around and go oh you know you Alaskans <clears throat> you're just not paying your fair share you're just not paying your fair share i mean look at all these other states don't you want to be like everybody else you're just you're just not paying your fair share they all have to pay taxes. You know what? You guys should pay your fair share. You guys should just pay your fair share and and not quibble about it because we're doing the right thing for you. I mean, I can see the handwriting on the wall. Somebody mark the date. What is it? 22nd of March. 22nd of March, 2023. You just... That 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 you will you look back on this day, and when they come to you, and the first thing that one of the no necks says from the other side of the you know from the pro government versus the smaller government side, and I don't care if it's a Republican or a Democrat, whoever it is over there, one of them will make a statement along the lines of Alaskans are just not paying their fair share. Alaskans are just not pulling their freight. They're not pulling their own weight. They're not paying their fair share. We need to all pitch in to make it work. Kumbaya and sing a song. I guarantee you it's going to happen. March 22nd, 2023. <clears throat> Somebody mark this down. 322-23. Cuz you're going to see that comment sometime in the next mm, what do I think? Maybe 48 months. You'll see that comment somewhere. 
All right, I got a line on hold, but uh, I ain't got, uh, I don't have enough time before the break, so caller, you'll have to hold on. I'll be right back to you. All right, the Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're back with more right after this. Shelly Hughes coming up in hour two to talk with us about a lot of stuff, including those new salaries. We'll be back right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. I don't know why I've got this hum. Hum. Oh, well, that's the problem right there. I was like, why do I have a hum? I know my video's frozen because I just turned off one of my miniature monitors here from my camera. And I just realized that that's where the hum is coming from. I mean, listen, you can't hear the hum. And now we'll turn it back on and there's the hum. Okay, that's it. That's what I get for buying the stuff. The things, the cheap, the, I mean, it wasn't cheap, but it's not the highest quality. I need that audio isolation. Guys are killing me. All right, let me come back over here. Whew, I got a little worked up over that. Oh. Um, The House majority does not agree with the committee report. If the Senate does show up for the vote, it will be, it'll tell a very interesting story. Yeah, I was actually going to, I didn't get to that. I was going to get to that next. Um, but, uh, you, you're, you're not wrong. You are not wrong. What, what am I, what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about this. Senator, uh, Speaker Tilton said the House sent the Senate President Stevens a letter inviting them to a joint session to take up the veto override of the bill that rejected the salary increase from the Compensation Commission. However, the Senate doesn't have to accept, and based on conversations, it sounds like they won't. They won't accept. I mean, I would be very surprised. Let me just put it this way. I would be very surprised if the Senate did accept, because this is what Gary Stevens is actually, this is what he literally asked for from that ADN article. If the Senate does show up, the vote board will tell a very interesting story. Yes. Yes, you are a hundred percent correct. Um, <clears throat> perhaps the oh my god, how much do I love this woman? Why is she? Why Dunleavy, you done screwed up, buddy? Uh, Donna Arduin says perhaps the Department of Revenue could learn to forecast using mathematical risk analysis rather than using the most rosy scenario possible. I mean, who in their right minds bets on the best case scenario all the time? Who looks at a situation and says the worst, the best, let's take the best and just go on from there? I mean, who? In what kind of fifth grade? You know what? 
prepare for the worst and hope for the best, and all your surprises will be happy ones. You should be looking at worst-case scenarios. When you're projecting revenues and building budgets, you should look at the worst-case scenarios, and if more comes in, then holla-freaking-lujah, you got more to put into savings or maybe to help fund something else. But, I mean, what? What? Um, all right. Um, I'm going back here to see what, uh, what you guys are having to say. Um, DA and Palmer is making plea deals on 98% of the cases. What? They just don't want to actually do the, do the job. Shocking. Shocking. Um, I'm going to have 41 people for Americans for Prosperity down in June of yesterday. So good to see them in the offices, in the halls, testifying committees. This is what government could look like if the legislature were on the road system. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brian Campbell talking about that con artist. Jail is cheaper and more relaxing than living with his wife. Yeah, it's true. Again, he gets three hots and a cots, and then he gets to get out and go use that money that he's got stashed away in some, you know, uh, 67%. Uh, it's a clown show. The greed. Um, the ADA in the Charles Charlie Yinkst case is Krista Noel Anderson. Okay. I, I, you know, there you go. Thanks, Mike. Um, <clears throat> I don't hear the hum, says Jer Jerica. I can hear it. It's driving me crazy right now. You guys can't hear it? You guys didn't hear it on your end? You couldn't hear the hum? That That's not possible. You have to be able to hear the hum. You don't hear it right now. Now it's gone. And now it's back. Because the cameras are resetting. Boom. Boom. I can hear it. It's driving me crazy. All right. I'm sorry. <clears throat> that was a that was a little thing here. Here we go. The Michael Luke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. The caller dropped off by now. Here we go. just read a comment in the chat room that I okay um good morning welcome back to the program so um we were just talking about the surplus or the uh sorry the deficit not the surplus we were talking about the potential for the surplus and how it's always been a deficit no matter what even in a year when we end up having a surplus and then pushing it off forward 
it just it just feeds that deficit spending frenzy. The last time we had a real surplus from a legitimate like from revenues and not one-time payments from government and everything else was back in 2007, 2008 when the state was so flush with money that we got that energy rebate that Palin put in. That's the last time the state was totally flush and actually made more money than they spent. But again, that was a very short-lived thing, remember. That was because of the crash and everything else and the the oil prices were going wonky and it again it settled out and then over the 13, 14, 15 yada 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 we spent billions of dollars out of savings because we couldn't possibly cut the size and scope of government. That I mean that we couldn't possibly cut the size and scope of government. Okay, Um, all right. What else is happening? Uh, So uh, uh, the. uh, Oh, I guess we should talk. We should talk about the uh, we should talk about what Kathy Tilton is. Kathy Tilton has now called for a vote. To reject the legislative pay increase, the 67 percent legislator pay increase. She called for the legislature to reject the state salary commission's recommendations. It came after the independent commission responsible was abruptly fired and new ones came in and amended it last week uh, to include that $34,000 pay raise for legislators. She said, I wouldn't say the good it's a good public process or a bad public process. I would say it's definitely an unusual public process. Right now, there are many big issues that should take precedence over the legislature having pay raises, and those issues are before us right now. Um, I think she's being way too nice. This is definitely a bad public process. They waived, they voted to waive the 20-day notice for the meetings that they are supposed to have by law. I didn't realize that committee could waive their own public notice things. I mean, that Apparently, that's a thing that a legislative committee that's not made up of legislators can do. Every other body in the state, they are required by law to comply with the public notice. That's part of the Public Meetings Act. That's part of the open meetings and everything else. You've got to publicly notice stuff. But anyway, she has invited the uh, Senate to come on in and uh, have a discussion about it today. Uh, Senate President Gary Stevens, who supports the salary recommendations, said Tuesday that his caucus has not yet decided whether to accept the request for the joint session. I can't tell you what track we're going to take, he said yesterday afternoon. Later on, I've got a phone call. I'm going to get to you here in just a second, caller. But later on in the whole comment, he said, um, where is it? I'm scrolling down. Um, Stevens said, As I'm ending my career in a few years, it's not going to affect me very much. I think it's affecting the younger folks that are entering the legislature. As I'm ending my career in a few years, this guy's been in the legislature for 26 years. 24, 26. He had a break somewhere in the middle there for a couple years. This guy's been in the legislature for around 25 years. And I'm going to go for a few more years. It just the, I mean, it's not like it's even a question. He's just going to get reelected. I'm just, it's just a job. When I want to retire, I'll retire. The 
All right, let's go over to the phones. I I can't talk about that anymore. Let's go over to the phones and see what's going on. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Carlene in Kodiak. Hello, Carlene. Um, Hi. I have a thought about the food security problem in Alaska. The the WIC program, a baby gets $1,369 a month for food. That comes to $350 a week. And then a single woman, because she had Social Security and income, got $235 a week pre-COVID for food stamps. And then COVID, it went up to $1,269 a month. That comes to $320 a week. And because they're having a problem going back to pre-COVID times, they just rolled over what people were getting pre-COVID. And so that's a lot of money. I just had a thought, why not just cut those uh, food stamps in half and people are still getting triple uh, what they got pre-COVID until they can get a handle on it. Um, I mean, I think it's a valid. I mean, my question is, uh, you know, COVID, blah, blah, blah. I mean, yes, I guess my question is, why aren't we just rolling it back to the pre-COVID time overall? Because it was an emergency. The emergency is over. We should go back to where it was before. Well, again, what you're showing and what you're saying is, the idea that somehow government has expanded or the program has expanded or the welfare recipient has expanded their expectations to consume all the money that they got now, knowing that it was a short-term problem, knowing that this this extra money was a short-term thing, and now it's a crisis. I mean, it's a crisis. Now they're making more money so they can't possibly go back. This is how government grows, Carlene. This is part of the problem. Michael. That is full social security check. They take $200 out for Medicare, and then the rest gets deposited into my bank account. So that is double my social security check. I just live carefully. You know, I'm... Right. No, and, and, try to be smart about money. And I'm, I'm not speaking about you in general, Carlene. I'm saying I'm saying not you specifically, but in general, the part of the problem is, is that people started to receive more in their benefits, whether it was Social Security or food stamps or things like that, knowing that it was only a short term bump during the covid crisis, et cetera, et cetera. And then when the government tries to ratchet it back down to what it was pre covid. Then they start saying, oh, this is a crisis. I can't live like that. I can't do that. And like you said, they're still including those money. That's Again, that's part of the problem. As it inches up, you can't ratchet it back. And that's, you know, Social Security is one thing. The welfare and some of the other things is something completely different. Yes, I earn Social Security. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thank you, uh, Carlene, for calling in and joining us. All right. Uh, Shelly Hughes is going to be joining us here in just a minute, and uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, well, I think we'll talk about the, I'm sure we'll talk about the revenue forecast. I'm sure we're going to talk about the salaries, because again, the Senate, is the Senate going to take up this uh, battle? Is the Senate going to actually 
I doubt it, but maybe she's got some insight here that we need on this whole thing. Because I just, I don't see them uh, wanting to put themselves on record. Would you? I mean, if you didn't have to, this is the beauty of this whole thing. The committee makes a recommendation, and unless the legislature uh, denies it, it just automatically goes into effect. How many other laws are that way where it just goes into effect unless the legislature votes against it? Right? Because nobody wants to put themselves on records for what a pay rate is. You imagine these people saying yes to... All right, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show. (laughs) I mean, name me one other thing in the legislature... Name me one other thing in the legislature where it just automatically becomes law unless the legislature votes against it. I mean, this was a mechanism that was put in place because they realized that the optics of this thing is not great. They realized that the optics of, well, you know, we're going to, I mean, at least they know enough about that. Oh, the live stream quit. Um, All right. I get the live stream going again. Um... They at least know enough about that to know that that's bad optics, right? <laughs> that they, they, they don't want to be voting for a pay raise, especially since, again, when was the last time we actually had a budget that was balanced with a surplus or, you know, but it, it's been years. So they definitely don't want to take a vote on a, a 67% increase. All right. I'm, uh, I'm going to get off that. I'm going to get off that high horse uh, because I've just. Yeah, there's a ringing. It's no hum, but there's a ringing in my ears. Um, Nine out of the ten voices in your head are in harmony, but the hum, is it a monotone? I just keep hearing a quiet voice that says taxation is theft. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Maybe the hum is only on my end and you guys just aren't hearing it. It does drive me crazy. That's fine. Okay. Um... Go read the reason piece about the British version of the Twitter files. Oh, man, there's a whole thing going on there. Yeah, the commentaries there are amazing. I read that yesterday. It's like, oof. Uh, All right. I think I got caught up on all the comments here. Uh, The thing is a little more than people employment getting $200 to go read. All right. Okay. I think that's it. And, uh, hey, look, I see Shelly Hughes is in the green room. She's hanging out. She's doing her thing. She's about ready to come on board and give us the full details on all the news that's fit to print and even some that might not be fit to print. I might say something bad here in the next four minutes. Um, All right. uh, Shelly Hughes joins us this morning uh, getting ready to discuss this. Hello, Senator. How you doing? Good morning. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you okay. I think we're all good. Um, I'm sorry. I had a bit of a panic mo- moment because the link you sent, well, I just saw the one link and it was just instructions. And it's like, this is not bringing me. Oh, online. yeah. No. Well, there's a new feature. Uh, there's a new feature for guests where you can actually send the live broadcast to your own social media streams while you're live on the air. So you could be Facebook living this while we're Facebook living it on my stream. You could Facebook live it to your own stream at oh. the same at the same time. 
Should I try that? What? I could try that. Now I, I close that um, tab. Yeah, I mean, you're welcome to try it if you like. Uh, it's just let an me, option. Let me try it. I'm going to have to go back and open that email. Okay. And, and then I click on that first, okay, fix the first link. I and then what do I do? Well, I think you actually have to leave the chat here. And then when you re-log, there'll be an option to sign in to StreamYard. And then you have okay. to link, you yep. have to link your accounts. Yep. Okay, maybe we we want that's a little bit too complicated. But yeah, we can always share it. No, later, next so. time next time you do this, uh, get on a little earlier. When I send you the link, it's going to give you an option to create a Streamyard account, and then you link your YouTube or your Facebook or both to your Streamyard account, so that when you come on as a guest, you click the button and it'll allow you to go live. When you go live, we all go live. Um, you join me, and so it's broadcast to multiple things so okay yeah sounds good that's some behind the scenes baseball for you folks out there that didn't know what's going on i mean shelly hughes she is a live streaming machine did you not hear about this 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 gal puts it she's telling it like it is out there all the time yeah every monday night around six o'clock hop yeah. on yeah come on down and make it happen um all right well uh i got a little worked up in the last hour shelly and uh hopefully i can Pull it back a little bit and you could be the voice of reason here. Although I don't know why you want to be the voice of reason because people need to be incensed about some of the things that are happening. Um, but uh, I'm figuring that we're going to talk a bit about the uh, revenue forecast. We're going to talk about the salary increase. We're going to talk about the call from the House for the Senate to come and have a joint session. And we'll see where things go from there. Anything else you want to talk about that's on your agenda today? Well, I think the conversation may lead us a little bit to talking about getting the people's fiscal house in order and um, a new component of that that I'm strongly urging. So, okay. Yeah. Well, good. Well, we can, we can take us wherever the conversation wins, we can follow. That's uh, that how, it, that's how it goes around here. Um, all right. So Shelly Hughes is our guest. Uh, we're going to be jumping in with her in just a minute. I'm going to pull her back into the, uh, pull her back into the green room for just a minute as I get things squared away here on this end. Folks, if you haven't, could you please, uh, give me a, uh, like and a share, uh, on any, whatever platform you're on, you can like and share this show from any platform, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, they all have like and share functions. Uh, but if you would also follow the show page on Facebook, if you would subscribe and then go over the subscribe button again on YouTube and then click the all ring the bell for all notifications, you'll get notifications whenever we go live there. And I think, boy, I should look, shouldn't I? I probably should look over on Twitch to see where I'm at uh, on Twitch uh, to see how many subscribers and and what I'm doing over there. Um I think I should probably mute that right there, so I'm not looking at myself. Um, what the? How many people? Um, look at that, sixty followers. So yeah, so you can follow me on Twitch right now and do all that stuff as well. Sixty followers on Twitch. That's that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, Twitch is a cool platform. Um, but anyway, yeah, fifty followers. So. Uh, you could follow me on Twitch. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can follow on Facebook. That's where it all goes down. All right, here we go. Hour two, dead ahead. Shelly Hughes, our guest, The Michael Duke Show.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeshow.com, where you've got links to the audio-only live stream, the podcast, and so much more. Uh, and, of course, live around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Uh, common Sense Goodness is what we try and bring you each and every day. Uh, we just finished up with our one We've been talking about the pay raises. We've been talking about the spring revenue forecast. We've been talking about the size and scope of government. It was rantalicious in the last hour. You feel feel free to go back and listen to the rant at any time on the podcast, which is available wherever you find great podcasts, including I just got invited to um, uh, the new Google podcasting thing. Anyway, uh, it's everywhere. Spotify is one of my favorite places to go. So you can go out and do it there. Hour two now, though. Let's uh, let's get to it. Hour two. Our guest, normally Mike Shower, joins us on Wednesdays for the Shower Hour of Power. But today, it is Headlines with Hughes. Headlines with uh, Again, I'm always looking for something poetic or literative or whatever. Uh, Shelly Hughes joins us this morning. Uh, State Senator Shelly Hughes comes in to uh, give us her thoughts and ideas and things. And she joins us. Right now. Good morning there, Senator. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing fine. I am sitting at my desk on the ground floor of the Capitol, ready to start a very, what I believe may be a historic day uh, with a joint session. Uh, with uh, the, the House put a call, as you I think you discussed the prior hour, right. for a joint session to override um, the governor's veto of the, of the bill. Um, having to do with let uh, well, it actually there's there's question about what we're actually overriding, and there's a lot of legal <laughs> opinions right now. But the gist is making a statement that um, this is not the time to uh, raise salaries, and a lot right. of folks don't know this. But I started working on a bill right away to reject it, and I believe we submitted it in time, so it should it should drop tomorrow. And we did get language because there was confusion about March 25th which is a Saturday being the cutoff day. And so our bill has notwithstanding language as far as that 60 day deadline. One of the things after I submitted it, Michael, that um, I thought was a good idea and I knew it would delay the drafting three, four days because it's a process. Um, and that was um, to change the, the way the whole compensation, compensation commission works so whatever they recommend is not for the current sitting legislature legislators, but it's for future legislature. And that way there's not the conflict of interest. It's a bad process right now. Right. And if we were not to reject um, 
what's been proposed. We it, are we may not be pressing yes up on the green board, but essentially we're saying yes. Well, and that's kind of what I wanted to get into first. Before we get down into some of the nitty gritty, this process is unique amongst pretty much all the other legislative processes as far as how the bill goes through and passage and everything else. So can you walk us through, and you just talked about the deadline and for the reversal and, and you know, you have to override a veto and a veto of what. So can you talk to me like I'm five and walk me through the whole the whole scenario? I could Because this is fundamentally different than, than anything else the legislature does as far as accepting or rejecting a bill. This is a whole different cat. Specifically, I know it's all political because it's specifically no legislator wanted to see their name up there on the vote board with a vote yes to raise my own pay. That's why this was done. So can you give us uh, can you give us the full rundown here? Yeah, well, I'll start in 2010. The salary was um, raised from twenty four thousand to fifty thousand four hundred through the Compensation Commission recommendation. And so in, in recent years, there's been no recommendation and there were half a dozen people on the commission. They were recommending salary increases for commissioners and there were no there were no um, increase for legislators. The legislature, uh, both bodies rejected that for different reasons. Some rejected it because it didn't have a raise for legislators. I had a raise because I felt like it was a pretty steep uh, raise for commissioners. And um, so the governor went to work. I think he, he called me yesterday. He was kind of concerned what's happening. He is concerned he may lose four or five of his commissioners because it's competitive and they could work somewhere else and make more money. So that was his goal. And he was trying to work with the legislature. And I will say, Michael, um, that it is tough for someone raising a family to live on the, the monthly allotment and keep a home back in district and if you're not able to work your other job. So, um, and it is, the legislature has also become a bit more year round. There are a lot of obligations we have during the interim. So, but notwithstanding, I think voting for a raise for ourselves, whether it's an actual vote, a yes on the board or by not voting no, it's still a yes when the, the recommendation comes out. So we rejected the first one. And then uh, earlier this week, the governor vetoed it to put it back in play so that um, the, amend the amended version that the commission put forward, uh, which gives the not only the commissioner raise, but the legislators to half the amount of the commissioner's uh, salary. So that would be at 84,000. One of the problems I not only is a conflict of interest when you're voting it for when you're uh, voting or, or failing to reject it, like I said, it's, a, um, it's it, we're voting for ourselves and it should be for someone else who's, you know, in a, after an election period. But the other conflict of interest it did not address the per diem. The per diem is pretty hefty. And so in combination, it, it's quite a bit. And then personally for me, and I filled out an Anchorage Daily News poll a couple days ago. I think it was a couple days ago. <laughs> Lose track down here. Um, I'm I'm wondering how many filled it out because uh, legislators may be hesitant to to know what to say. But I said personally for me, I find it very problematic that we don't have the people's fiscal house in order. We have a shortfall, and we're. Um, would be accepting a raise. So that's that's why I filed the bill to reject it. And one of the things I did in the bill, um, I have no uh, 
great hope that as a Senate minority member, my bill is going to rush through the process, but you never know. It, it basically makes a provision, it rejects the salary increase, but it makes a provision so that the $50,400 could be collected while a person is serving in Juneau during the session, because that's where those that are raising families and have second jobs that they can't do, that's where it gets tough. So if they could collect their salary between um, you know, January and the end of the session, uh, then that would make it a little easier for them to be able to get by. So that would be an option for legislators rather than dividing it up over 12 months. You divide it up during the, basically four months over the length of the session. Right. So they get paid instead of being paid in monthly increments, they get the whole kit and caboodle over the four or five months that the leg- that session happens. Um yeah, and it, had, it had a provision, too, if a legislator would leave office that uh, on a pro rata basis, they would have to pay back. So if they left, you know, they did the session and, and left in June, left the position, they'd they'd owe half of it back. Oh, and again, um, the per diem, this is what happened the last time uh, there was a discussion on this was that the commission, the uh, salary commission, took a look at the per diem and was going to cut the per diem down. And everybody lost their mind because, well, you just can't do it. Legislators can file for $307 a day in per diem. Over a four-month period, if you filed every day for four months while you were down in Juneau for uh, for that for that $307 a day in per diem, you would receive $9,250 a month in per diem. So I don't know... What kind of lifestyles people are living where they can't afford 90? That's just the per diem. That's not the salary. At $50,000 a year, they get another, you know, 4000 bucks a month in salary or whatever. So for people who can't make it on ten or $12,000 a month, uh, because the per diem is not taxable. So whoever's making that kind of money. I'm Again, Shelly, uh, I agree. I think you did it all for the right reasons. I'm questioning the whole thing from the get-go that 50000 plus the $307 a day for per diem while you're there is a significant amount of money, especially considering $37,000 of it is not taxable. It is, you know, and I, I'm able to get by from, with that. I've spoken with some other legislators who are raising families, Senator Rob Myers, for example. It It, it is tough even taking that into account just to spread it out when he doesn't have his other work and there's others who have the same situation but the main thing is it is wrong for us to be uh accepting a salary uh for for us it should be for a future legislator i think that's the main principle i i want to get across um because it it probably does need to be adjusted a bit and i i think the per diem ought to go down so, um, yeah, I think there's work to do. What's going to be interesting today is it requires two thirds of, of both bodies. So it, out of 60, you need 40 votes, right? Right. Will there be 40 votes? The House minority had put out a press release after, um, I don't know, at some point here in the last week or two, saying we shouldn't be giving ourselves a raise um, or commissioners a raise when we haven't um, dealt with the school funding issue and so they i've heard maybe they regretted saying that but i think that they were interested they 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 understand that um we've got a shortfall they understand they want funding for the schools 
and it would be pretty bad optics to accept a raise. And that's what you'd, we'd do if we did nothing. So could we get to 40? I don't know. It'll be interesting today if that happens. The last time I was aware of a discussion, a serious discussion where you could actually hit the numbers, uh, possibly, we were trying to sense it. It was eight years ago when Walker first uh, vetoed part of the PFD and the Wilikowski court case had not yet taken place. And we had long, I was in the House at the time, we had long caucus meetings and so did the Senate trying to figure out, should we join together and trying to get a sense of would there be the votes to override it? And it was really interesting in, in that. Um, and in, in caucus meeting, it's, you know, we, people are supposed to be able to share openly what they think. And it's, to me, it started out over in the house that there were, pro there was probably support to go into joint session. And then through the course of conversation, a lot of folks peeled, and I think it was in the end, there were only a few of us that thought we should go in and attempt to override it. And, um, but we did not because people didn't want to go on the record again with that kind of right, vote right. If, if they didn't agree with the override. So the Senate, um, and as of the reporting yesterday, um, they were unsure. Gary Stevens' quota is unsure. So has the Senate decided that they're going to be part of this joint session or are they, what's going on there? Because okay. that's really well, I'm, that's in the caucus, that's in the caucus's hands, right? There is a lot of conversation with attorneys looking at um, all the rules relating with it, and so I don't know what the upshot is by this morning. But in in speaking with the Senate President yesterday, because normally you have three days for the other body to accept the invitation, however because of the 20th Saturday being the deadline, or at least the possible deadline, there's some question whether it, it is or not, but you kind of have to assume the worst case scenario. So that's what the speaker did. She assumed that Saturday is the deadline and they called the session for today. So it was only 24 hour notice essentially. So you don't, the Senate really doesn't have that three day window. And the house, my understanding is the house goes in to convene they can put a call on the House, which in a joint session includes the Senate. And so the Senate would have to come in. And the Senate president's understanding, unless he's gotten a, a legal opinion otherwise, is that we basically have no choice. The Senate needs to show up, um, unless we want troopers to bring us in. And I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to show up because I agree with the override. Like I said, I've got a bill that should be read across this morning that rejects um, the pay raise. Uh, Senator Shelley Hughes is our guest. Uh, we got to come up against the break here, uh, and we're going to talk some more about this. I want to talk a little bit more about this. I want to talk about the new revenue forecast and some other things that Shelley's going to bring on. But um, I'm sure we're probably going to get down into the numbers again, just because. Um, just because I that's what you do. Because that's what we do. Because that's what we do, and that's where people need to hear. And nobody's breaking it down quite the way that I just did uh, in the news media. It's all big numbers and nobody's really paying attention. We're going to break it down a little bit more. Back with more. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Listen to by more staffers in Juno than any other show because their bosses told them to.
And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, I just, I just, I just gotta, I just gotta say this because <clears throat> I'm running the numbers on my 10K calculator here. Um, so $54,000 is the current legislative pay. They get paid out at $4,500 gross every month uh, for the $54,000 a year. So they're making a- it, It's not, it's not 54, it's 50,400. 50,400. Okay. I apologize. I misplaced the zero. There. You just gave us a $4,000 raise. Hey, Thanks, I'm, Michael. I'm all about that. So it's $4,200 gross every month, every month, month after month, part-time. It's, I know that's full-time for four months and it's got some commitments, but it's a part-time job, essentially 4,200 bucks a month. Then again, they get that $307 a day uh, with a maximum, I think it's 37,000 is the max pay. If we did, if you took every day, it's 37,000, right? Uh, and you divide that by four months, it's a 9,200. So 9,200 plus 4,200. Um, well, let's say it's not 4,200 because that's taxed. So let's say it's 3,400. Um, so that's $12,650 a month, uh, in per diem. Um, I mean in pay and per diem because the per diem is not taxed. I understand. And of course, this is one of my arguments about being in Juno. I understand it's 3000 bucks a month for a studio bedroom or for renting a house. You know, renting one room in a house is three grand a month or something because you guys are in a bubble down there. There's no way to do it. Another reason why you guys need to get out of there and be on the road system. That's insane. But still, even with that, $12,000 a month. I got questions. I mean, well, I, I can't. Me, just, just to make it clear, just make it clear that that amount is just for the months in session, and then it drops down, right? So, right, that's I, where some of those that are raising I, families again. But I mean, the the comment that you made earlier was it's tough when people are trying to run two households. That's only when mm -hmm. they're in session. When they're not in session, they're yeah. only running one household. So, I'm just trying to think of the last time that I made twelve thousand dollars in a month. That's probably never. I probably never made $12,000 in a single month. And I raised a single income, five kids, the whole deal. So while I understand what you're saying, and I don't want it to just be retired people, oil magnets, people who have made millions of dollars from their trust funds or whatever. I mean, whatever your background is, I don't want it to be just those people. I do want it to be the Rob Myers of the world who are just average working truck drivers and everything else. I'm just thinking if you can't make it meet with $12,000 a month, this might explain why we're having problems with the budget in Juno. I'm just saying. It could. Yeah, it could. And, you know, and like I said, there, there is um, a conflict of interest. And my proposal would be for to put it down, down the road for future legislature and also something more incremental. 67% in one swoop. Oh, my goodness. Um, and adjusting the the per diem at the same time. So, but the fiscal house, are uh, the, the fact that we don't have the people's fiscal house in order. I want to talk to you about that because you've discussed that a lot on this show. And there's a new component 
that is floating. Don't and don't I'll get ahead of us here because we're not back on the radio. So I don't want to repeat. Okay. I don't want to repeat yourself. Okay. We could start off with that. I don't. I just don't want okay. you to have to repeat yourself. I want everybody to be able to hear it rather than the okay. hundred, the hundred people who are listening on the stream and on the on the thing and everything else. Okay. Uh, Sounds good. I am going to repeat myself on that comment about the thing. But, you know, Shelly, you and I are in agreement here. I'm not trying to – and I hope you don't take it that I'm attacking you or anything. But I just look at that. And, again, I don't think that I have may, – I may have made one time – one month in my life I may have made that amount of money with some kind of super bonus or something that I did. But if – I just can't imagine people who are making that kind of money having a problem – balancing everything again i think it, it it is indicative of the fiscal situation we're in all told because if you can't make it work with that you may have bigger issues right you may have bigger issues going on and that's kind of my whole point here i'm not against people being paid i'm not against that at all uh, i served as a public servant i was in the borough assembly i made six hundred dollars a month which equaled out to about $3 an hour for what I was doing, right? So, I mean, that's just... Oh, and by the way, when you talked about part-time, we are totally a citizen legislator. Some of us are crazy, like myself, because I easily can put in 70 or more <laughs> hours a week in session, right. we gotta... and I can put in 50 um, during interim. So, but it is still a citizen Okay, we're back. Um, Shelly Hughes is our guest. Uh, we want we're gonna we're gonna kind of go go off in the pucker brush here. But I was just talking during the break, and before I want to let Shelly loose here on a couple things. But we were doing the math in the break, okay? And so this is this is not how the ADN or even Must Read or anybody else broke it down. But you have to realize that during the session, and again, just during the session that the average legislator could take in if they took their full per diem and everything else for each month of the session they would be taking home this is take home would be uh twelve thousand uh six hundred and fifty dollars a month during the session they'd only take about thirty five hundred dollars a month thirty four hundred dollars a month off session but during the session twelve thousand dollars a month under the current plan, under the new plan, I didn't even do the math on that because it's so much more. It would be like fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars a month. I said to Shelley, this might be why we're having a problem balancing the budget in Juno, because if these folks are having a hard time with twelve thousand dollars a month, then I mean that might be part of the problem, Shelley. Uh, you 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 probably hit a good good point. And I'm I'm at the point that where I'm not raising a family. I don't have um, a bunch of children that I, I need to tend to. So I think that'd be a good conversation to have with someone like Rob Myers, who is is raising children. They have thoughts on that. But yeah, we need to get our fiscal house in order, Michael. That's really personally part of the reason. Um, the the process I think is wrong as far as the conflict of interest. But I I actually think the the fact that we haven't really done our job down here why would we give ourselves a raise you know in the real world you usually get a raise because you're doing a good job 
and um, collectively the legislature has has kicked the can down the road eight years with the fiscal plan. We've talked about those components and, and I'll just quickly go over the order and the way I think it needs to be done as I've thought about it. I was, I was the only legislator part of the two working groups, one in 2019-20 and one in, in 21. And um, the first one, all I could determine was, oh, we need to protect uh, the permanent fund, you know, the draw. Right. Didn't really come up with anyone. The second one came up with a, a package plan. And as I shared with the Senate president, because I wasn't sure if he really understood that uh, there were 50 out of 60 legislators actually interested in moving that plan forward. The 10 or 12 that were not had jurisdiction over the committee's um, uh, of referral of what would be for the components. And because they weren't, they weren't, uh, weren't receptive to the proposal. Nothing happened. There weren't even hearings. Uh, Representative Ben Carpenter and his House Ways and Means Committee has been hearing those committees and reviewing that. But I and, and so I think with the uh, revenue projections just just came out, the uh, over two year period, nearly billion dollar deficit, um, the House taking the statutory PFD to what would be the 50-50 draw amount. Um, the, the, and now, <laughs> The impeccable timing of a of, of a proposed uh, raise in salary for legislators is all very interesting. So to me, it gets back to we need to get the people's fiscal house in order. Right. And well, so I mean, the two two parameters you need to set in my mind initially are determining are the constitutional pieces. They're the toughest. They take the most votes. But until you get those two pieces, you do not know the remaining gap. And so the one is putting the spent fixing the spending cap in the constitution the second is settling the pfd in the constitution once you have those bookends then you um, know what your remaining gap is and that's when you have the reduction versus revenue debate the, the way to do the package so that um you're that everything works together is everything is contingent on, on everything else in other words the pfd in the constitution does not go into effect until the spending cap goes in, in effect. Right. The spending cap does not go in effect until you you've got the the revenue reduction pieces and then it all goes together at one point. But there's one other component that I want to talk to you about. But before I do, I'll stop so you can say something. No, I mean, I just I think just to finish up with what you were saying before about, you know, uh, the optics of taking a raise while the fiscal house is in complete disarray. I mean, look, obviously <laughs> nobody's reading the room, right? I mean, this is a bad, this is a bad, uh, you know, we, we just came out of COVID. Most people are looking to try and hold on to their jobs or to, you know, make a little bit more money. Nobody's getting raises. All of a sudden you're going to get a 67% raise. Ooh, that, I mean, that's a, the optics are obviously horrible. And, and again, it leads right back to the whole problem of you guys obviously don't, you know, this might be why we're having a problem with the budget is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I've been saying this is the Murkowski jet. This is a Murkowski jet and people need to think about the people back home, right? And I think that, you know, there is a, a bubble syndrome down here and it's like, hello, um, what is going to, to happen? How are the people going to react to this? So yeah, this is the Murkowski jet and the, and we have, I think that's why we're going to a joint session on the floor. Now, as far as that fiscal package, 
there's a piece and there was something I started studying and looking at a few years ago and, and 10 states have done it. Texas has done it really well. And I have proposed it and had it, but we hadn't really uh, flushed it out totally. Um, and, but we're starting now. And Senator Scott Kawasaki was kind enough to give what I'm sure was just simply a courtesy hearing, right? I'm a Senate minority member, but it was, uh, the chatter began after the hearing because there was something actually to it. And I believe, I'm not sure because we never know until bills drop, but I know Representative Ben Carpenter is very interested in it. And what the bill is, is called the Alaska Sunset Commission. And Texas has uh, one in place and it's been in place since 1977 and it has functioned extremely well. And they have um, combined state agencies, gotten rid of state agencies, um, improved and made state agencies more efficient. And here's how it works. So we have legislative audits done all the time, reams and reams. And for the most part, they collect dust. And there can be some really good recommendations in there. And it can be very political. So, you know, it's the legislative audit the, it, by the legislative auditors in our state constitution, but it resides in this branch. And so it can get political with the governor, et cetera. So what the Sunset Commission would do is it would create a quasi-independent uh, commission, which you just can't float it out in space according to our constitution. So it would reside in the executive branch, but it would be like the railroad where the governor couldn't get in there and poke and tell them what to do. It would be independent. And it would be made up of nine commissioners from the private sector, Michael, people that know how to run a business, know how to turn a profit, know how to be efficient, know how to make sure what's happening in their companies is effective. And those nine commissioners would um, vote on recommendations that the state auditors would bring forward as far as an entity. All the entities would be audited on a rotating um, uh, basis. But here's the clincher. The clincher is once an audit is done on an agency, if the legislature doesn't take up the recommendations, which the commission would provide in bill form, if the legislature doesn't take up that bill, that agency will be dissolved, it will terminate, it will sunset, thus the Alaska Sunset Commission. And so Texas, we had people from the Texas State Capitol come onto the hearing and it was fascinating to hear that them describe how they have saved hundreds of millions of dollars. They have gotten rid of agencies that have outlived their useful life. They, and sometimes Michael involves enhancing an agency because it's not doing its its job and it's falling down it's it's looking at is is this process efficient and meeting the public need are they doing something that's outside of their statutory and constitutional authority they need to not do it you know those kind of things so what texas reported is 80 percent 80 percent of the recommendations from that commission are taken up and passed by the legislature. We have a paltry tiny percent in that we are we are doing. So it actually, when you're talking about, um, and oh, is there chatter down here about taxes among some, they get all excited when there's talk about getting our fiscal order because they straight go to taxes. They're talking about um, a new S-Corp tax on Hillcorp and some other similar um, companies on uh, reducing the slider from 
credit to $5 a barrel, that which would increase the amount from the oil companies. They're talking about internet di digital ta tax on Amazon, Netflix, et cetera. And guess who would pay for that? You and I would pay for that, right? So um, th that conversation is happening. And when you're looking, we get a report that we're all going to be nearly a billion dollars short over the next year. And we realize we've, we've got a situation here. I think when you think of that and you wanna know what you have is run is um, being done effectively. And we do not have, the public does not have any confidence in the fact that our agencies are running effectively. We might right. have confidence in one where they're doing a good job, but we have a lot of questions about it. So this Sunset Commission, I believe, should be part of a uh, getting our fiscal house in order and it would help us over the long term make sure we're getting the most bang for our buck we, we don't feel like we're getting the most bang for our buck do we and if if at some point we have to pay a sales tax or something like that we, we are going to want to know we're getting our most bang for the buck so i had a what was a courtesy hearing chatter began a little bit in the building where people really liked the idea and um, so we'll, we'll see if anything goes with it. But uh, I think it is something that Alaskans would appreciate. There'd be more accountability to the public. And guess what? There'd be more chance for public engagement. And it probably would not be in Juneau. Those commission meetings could be held in South Central and the public could weigh in on their perspective of that agency and what is happening and the need for it and how they're doing. So it would increase public engagement and accountability and help us get um, our agencies in better order than I believe they are now. I think that uh, most laws should have a sunset provision baked into them to begin with, quite honestly, so that they have to be revisited because there's many times when laws have unintended consequences, and it should be. I mean, I, I think that that's a, a good thing. I think a sunset commission would not be a bad thing, especially if it forced the legislature actually to act on it or or else. I think that's a... Oh, I think there'd be interest because, you know, if a, yeah. if a whole division's going to go away, you'd, the legislature would be eager to take that up. I think the executive branch also would be, and there'd be some cooperation from them. And 80% in Texas taking the recommendations for improvements, um, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously the biggest, uh, we're, we're running up against the break here, but my biggest concern, and we talked about this with Julie Columba, uh, uh, Colum uh, earlier this week, is the ghost positions, right? The funded but not filled positions. $400,000 for two librarian positions. Uh, and they've been vacant for years. And, uh, you know, I know Tammy Wilson talked about at one point it was 2,800, almost 3,000 people or 3,000 positions rather that were funded and not filled. I mean, this is that's millions of dollars that they're using as slush. I mean, there's so many things that could be done here, but we got to have the political will to do it. And that's what we're lacking right now in uh, in my opinion all right shelly hughes is our guest <clears throat> we're coming up on the break we're going to talk about the revenue report up next the michael luke show continues we got more coming up don't uh, go go anywhere we'll back with more right after this Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. 
Okay, we're <clears throat> excuse me in the break with Shelly Hughes right now. Uh, continuing on, uh, we've got the the break here, um, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm I, I, everybody's still going on and on about no the Sunset Commission thing had nothing to do with the legislator salary. That was a separate issue. We changed gears somewhere in there, so we've got to kind of keep up with what's going on here. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that a Sunset Commission would make a lot of sense. I think it would save a lot of things. And again, I think that there should be a provision in almost every law that has that sunset clause in it, especially if it's a thing that affects multiple years moving forward. I mean, budget a budget doesn't need a sunset clause, but if you create a, 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 a program or something like that, you need to have a five-year sunset clause in it or something so that you can come back to it and revisit it and say, is this making, is this doing what we need? And no? Okay. You pull the ripcord on it and away it goes. I mean, that's what well, we should be doing. Sen- and essentially, um, this kind of provision, it would, it, 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 every time in all the laws associated with that agency would be up for basically being repealed. So it kind of, it kind of meets that. And one thing I didn't say was Texas, for every dollar that they spent on doing these in the weeds, intense audits, you know, that are have to do with both cost and performance, uh, there was $18 in savings. So it was, you know, the return on investment, pretty impressive. Uh, let's, uh, <clears throat> um, so we're going to have, let me, let me, let me, I'm jumping around here, but let's go back to the wages for a second. Uh, and the uh, and the meeting. So the meeting is going to be called today at, at what 3 time? PM. 3 p.m. OK, so 3 p.m. So we need to be watching to see what happens. You said there's a bunch of legal questions about whether or not the Senate is going to be required to be there. It's going to be a call to the House. So they may have to show up. They may not. Um, I plan to show up. <clears throat> you plan to show up, but others may not and the and and Gary Stevens may have gotten some legal opinion that says they don't have to show up, et cetera, et cetera. This is kind of the conundrum we're at, right? I mean, this is the crossroads. So the question is, will the Senate majority show up? The minority will probably show up, but will the Senate majority show up? Do they have the legal backing to be able to dodge this bullet, right? And here's the the in my mind, the other big question is it's clear the House majority supports overriding because they're the ones the speaker and her majority made the invitation to the Senate. The question is how will the House minority vote? They did come out and and say they felt you know it was getting ahead of things to be looking at raises when we haven't taken care of school funding. So that's the big question mark because it you'd have to need you, in order to do the override, you need that House minority. And are they together on this? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> okay, so we're going to uh, when we get back, we're going to talk about the uh, we're going to talk about the revised uh, spring forecast, the revenue forecast. And you know, I'd like to weave in if I could um, a little bit on education because that's so huge sure. in, into all of that. And that's you know when you have this kind of shortfall. Uh, that's, that's well, because uh, that's the big thing, right? I mean, education right now, the BSA increase is the big hot talking point and the mm-hmm. defined benefits program, uh, which we're about to, I mean, the reason folks from reason laid out some amazing stats on this. I mean, again, this could cost us up to $8 billion more in unfunded liability, which would put us back well over where we were when we stopped tier three. 
uh, will be over $15 billion in unfunded liability by that point. And the only thing securing it is the permanent fund itself. And mm -hmm. uh, that's a real problem. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to make this plug here and then back on, back on the air too. Um, we have worked as a, a, a small uh, unrecognized Senate minority um, to build a website and it is up and running and we're feeding information onto it. And I have, because um, I don't have a standing committee assignment, spent some time writing some articles. It's alaskasenateminority.com, alaskasenateminority.com. And um, I wrote a, an article speaking of pension. It was called, I did a little pun. We know how much you like those, Michael, but I, I called it the pension pill instead of pension bill. And I believe then the rest of the title was something like, we better read the warning label. And um, it's it's not the cure-all that they're putting out there. And even Pew Terrible Trust uh, interviews, uh, has a thorough extensive study on, on workers in their 20s and 30s and 40s. They're working in public employment because of the work-life balance. And um, they're looking at the salary. Retirement is not really what they want. They actually want flexibility, they want mobility. And so that's important. The other thing is right now we are, are the worst state. We are the 50th in the nation as far as the what we owe already per capita right. on our unfunded liabilities. Now the total dollar amount is much larger in other states, but per capita, and you know, it that's the way government works. It has to be affordable to the population that you have. So we're already at a breaking point with that. Why on earth would we want to add risk and and grow that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. All right, we'll hold the line. Shelly Hughes is our guest. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's do it. Here we go. Okay, Shelly Hughes is our guest. Uh, the Michael Duke Show continues. I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the new the new spring revenue forecast, which was even worse than we anticipated. We thought it was going to be bad. $925 million shortfall for this fiscal year and next fiscal year. We're still, what, 270-something, $248 million short for this year. Uh, another 670 for next year. Uh, it just, I mean, it just gets worse. We're almost a billion dollars short between this year and next year. So the, the things get even worse. And yet we, <clears throat> we still hear all this clamor for, we got to increase the BSA by another couple hundred million dollars. We've got to, uh, we've got to do the defined benefits, even though that could cost us $8 billion over the course of the deal and, and put more unfunded liability and everything else. When you look at this report, um, I mean, what do you say? This is, uh, again, we expected it to be bad. I didn't expect it to be this bad, uh, especially since this is just, the. this is only three months. This is 90 days from the last time we did this. And all of a sudden, we're a billion dollars shorter than we were 90 days ago. This thing is a hot, hot mess. It, it is indeed. And before I comment on that, I want to plug to your audience, um, our new Senate Minority webpage. It's alaskasenateminority.com, alaskasenateminority.com. And also we have a Facebook, 
Facebook page, Alaska Senate Minority. And um, the reason I bring it up is because I um, we're writing articles, uh, Senator Myers has also about some of these topics. And one of the things that just because of having a luxury of a little bit more time because we don't have standing committee assignments, I've done some, um, I'll be curious about something and I start writing and I it becomes a research project, almost like in back in the old college days. But it's been fascinating to look, for instance, we are the worst in the nation as far as what we owe on unfunded liabilities per capita. We are the worst. Um, um, I did another piece on judicial selection, which the judicial branch, everybody has a gut feeling that it has drifted to the left, right? We all kind of just know it. Well, instead of just speaking from the gut and doing an opinion piece, I started researching and reading a number of law journals and research projects and discovered there's a reason for it. So go, there's an article, uh, uh, what's, what do we name it? Something, uh, Lady Justice's blindfold. Why is Lady Justice's blindfold slipping? And so it actually gives the reason and it gives data and gives charts on the political leanings. And these are with very strict methodologies been figured out. So I'm pulling information from research that's been done around the nation. And it's astounding. You should go look at it, Michael. You will be shocked because there's a, a the political leanings by the 50 states of attorneys and the Bar Association reflects the attorneys. But that's the kind of research I've been doing. And then on education, the other big thing down here is there is research that unless money is targeted specifically to, for instruction in the classroom, it does not produce results. And it only produces results if you target the classroom, if a guarantee, if it's in tide to performance metrics. Which it used so to be, which it used to be, right? There was a 70%, there was a, a feature in there, a, a statute in there that mandated that 70% of the BSA must hit the classroom directly. And they, they, well, they except, limited. Except they were getting around that. They were getting waivers. And some of the things they were that was falling under that 70% was suspicious. Um, so we want to target it down even more. I was reviewing the codes for um, how the district support the funding. And within some of those those sections, it's still pretty fuzzy. So we we want to look at really targeting it directly. And when I spoke on the floor, um, I entitled it something like a golden platter and silver. Uh, uh, I can't remember what I entitled. It doesn't matter. But the point was, when we're being asked to increase funding, we would be it would be so wrong. I believe it'd be morally wrong. I'm, criminally wrong might be a little far out there if we didn't look at how can we um, tie the funding, couple it with learning outcomes, just handing out money. We have so right. much proof that doesn't work, does not work. Right. So we're, we're looking at, at an alternative uh, approach. And the beauty of it is um, there are majority members that actually agree with that. They are disturbed where we are. And we know we have allies over in the House as well. Um, let's, uh, <clears throat> and I agree. I mean, I agree that the whole thing with the, uh, education thing, I think it, first of all, I think it's premature. I think, uh, and I think that if you don't tie it to, if you don't tie it to educational outcomes, you're missing the golden opportunity. Of course, we hear about the first thing you talk about accountability and then they say, well, why do you hate children? And why are you trying to cut education funding? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, and, you know, I was so disappointed when the new version of the bill came out, Michael, because, um, some people think of accountability just as transparency. Transparency is not a bad thing. But when I'm talking about accountability, it's like accountability is 
you need to do your job and we want results, right? So it's, it's more about performance metrics. And, you know, we heard the speech rebutting my comments and, but then I had a meeting with the Senate education chair, you know, thinking that we were making progress, but I was extremely disappointed when the rewrite came out, the committee substitute, because what it did is it increased the spending over three year period. So it goes from a thousand this year to a thousand, uh, 1350 next year and then the following year 1350 plus inflation so we increased the spending by considerable amount and then the only other thing it did was require data collection reporting a fancy dashboard that was user friendly so you could go on and see what was happening but we know what's been happening with the NAEP scores we know what's been happening with AK star which tells us that only students are only about 30% proficient in virtually all the grades, all right. the subjects. So just knowing isn't enough. No. And there's actually the more education, the more versus state of Alaska uh, lawsuit. We're, we're reading through that because the judge made the point that it's not just the legislature has a, the obligation by funding districts as far as uh, the, the constitution and maintaining public schools, but we have a duty to make sure the system is right and children are learning and we're failing on that front. Absolutely. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we've advocated for uh, not only the accountability, but for things like uh, backpack funding and other things. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> the uh, the uh, let's get back to the uh, get back to the revenue report. Um, and the problem is, and Donna Ardwin said earlier, perhaps the Department of Revenue could learn to forecast using mathematical risk analysis rather than using the most rosy scenario possible. I mean, a, a, a Bert in the chat room is right. This is a this is a self-inflicted wound. We keep doing this. We keep betting on pie in the sky things, and then we build a whole budget around it, and then the whole thing just falls completely apart. Um, and now here we are, a billion dollars short yet again, and there's no acknowledgement that this is a problem. It's just like, well, where do we pull it from? Well, obviously, it'll be from the PFD, but the PFD is going to be gone. In another five years, the PFD will be gone if we continue down this path because nobody is taking responsibility for the size and scope of government. They're not talking about any alternative revenues or anything else. They're just sucking the PFD dry. But when that is gone, then they'll look us in the eye and say, you Alaskans really need to pay your fair share. You really need to pay your way. And so we're going to institute a tax then. I mean, this is coming. I can see it right now. Yeah. And, you know, Mike, one of the interesting things is um, they've been talking about a pretty flat budget. It's not very controversial. I mean, I, I know the House is trying to do what they can with the members they have. And uh, I was speaking uh, speaking with a speaker <laughs> Uh, last night, and it sounds like I, I don't want to misquote her, but that that already they're a couple hundred million short for what they're doing, and you know they went from the statutory PFD to the the 50-50 uh, split of the PMB draw, and we still have a shortfall. So um, we definitely we definitely have a problem, and we have to face the reality. And of course, that will tie in. I'm sure. I'm sure there will be comments on the floor. It, I'm expecting it, the joint session to be a long one because I don't know how you cannot, you, the, the fiscal situation is going to tie into the conversation of the salaries. And it is shameful that we haven't stepped up and taken care of things. And we continue, like you say, we, we bank everything on rosy projections and we're, we're not being realistic and a household would never plan this way. And, and, we need to do what's right for the people of Alaska. 
uh, a household would never plan this way. And I could just hear people screeching right now. It's government. It doesn't work like a business or a household budget. You just don't understand. I can already see those uh, kind of uh, comments streaming across the world right now. Uh, down to the last two minutes, Shelley. Uh, we should be watching, obviously, this afternoon for this joint session. What else will we be watching for here? Uh, you got about 90 seconds. Um, I have been working behind the scenes with the State Board of Education. They passed a resolution to uh, ask the ASA, the Alaska School Activity Association, to put in place a policy for girls' sports to be biological, based on biological sex, and create a co-ed division. And for those that don't know, the, the Department of Education Early Development actually granted authority to ASA to um, administer interscholastic programs for our schools fairly, fairly. So that's the key word. Um, so that board has, it has some independence. They have to vote on that. I think it's gonna be important. Um, the woke crowd is gonna squawk and squawk and scream and make it sound like they have lots of numbers, Michael, but really 70% or more um, national polling shows that people believe that girls sports should be protected and we don't wanna discriminate against one group to solve a problem with another group. So a co-ed division is a reasonable solution and we need to move forward and the public needs to speak up and support ASA in making that decision. Shelly Hughes, our guest, The Michael Duke Show, out of time for tomorrow, folks. We will see you then. Have a great day. Thank you, everyone. All right, Shelly Hughes, I'll give you one final bite at the apple. Two minutes. Well, uh, yeah, I've got I've got a Matsu delegation in two minutes. Okay. And then I'm, I'm actually on a, speaking on a national call regarding Title IX. So it, it's a very full very full day okay. but i appreciate you know what you bring to the people of alaska and get people talking i think that um this sunset commission i i'm hoping it'll grow legs i think it is time something like this is going to have to be vetted it probably wouldn't happen very quickly but i am so happy to have it on, on the table because i think long term you know i i have children and grandchildren and so it's not just about figuring out how to pass a budget um, this year, but it's looking long term because if we want a strong economy, we have to get a handle on government spending. All right. Thank you so much, Shelly Hughes, for being part of it today. We appreciate you being uh, on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good day. Appreciate it. You as well. All right, folks, uh, that, takes us, uh, that takes us right over to the end of the show today. Tomorrow is another one. We've got more. Uh, we got more coming up. I don't know who we're going to have on tomorrow. We'll have somebody on. It'll uh, it'll be a good discussion. Feel free to like and share the show. Feel free to like and follow the show page or YouTube or Twitch or wherever you want to be. And if you want to check us out more, you want to support the show, you can always go to the Common Sense Core over at MichaelDukeShow.com and do just that. Appreciate you guys coming on board. Thanks for being part of it today. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day, my friends.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 